knowing that there is none like you in all the heavens of the earth. We can never pray enough to you. You said we ought always pray and not faint. Therefore, Lord, we acknowledge you and ask that you will speak to our hearts today from your word. Speak truth, speak wisdom that we can internalize and live by so that we might walk in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, so that our lives might be blessed, so that we might be kept from the destruction of the wicked one and sin. Oh, won't you preserve us? Won't you help us, Lord, by making us ready to meet you upon your soon return? Won't you touch the hearts of those who do not know you and call them by their name. Tell them that they belong to you, Lord. Give them a mind to repent from their sins, to turn to you the fountain of living water that they might be cleansed in the waters of baptism and regenerate them by filling them with the Holy Ghost and the joy unspeakable that is full of glory. Transform their lives Make them holy thine. Now we thank you for all your provisions. For you are sovereign God. We will not question you. But we will bless you. Use us today. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may all be seated. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for that beautiful selection coming to us today from True Worship. And I might mention that Sister Elizabeth Turner found out that she passed a very um, very rigorous exam uh, in the commercial lines, I believe, of business on yesterday. And that was good news for her, which is good news for us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Congratulate her. Amen. She's a fine example of what it means to be raised by godly parents in the church and to love the Lord and as you become an adult, to take your rightful place in the church and not stray away and feel like you need to um, take a look at a world that is full of degradation and destruction. All that can happen to you out there is destruction. You may never be able to come back into the true church of Jesus Christ, let alone the doors of a sanctuary of people who love the Lord. Amen. And so that's a testimony. And a lot of times when you haven't gone out there in the world, uh, there's one bishop in the state now who's, a, who's the uh, presiding bishop of, uh, well, perhaps the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world. And I hear him talking from time to time, and he was raised in an apostolic home, but he talks about the times that he went out in the world and did things he shouldn't have done. And uh, there are times when it's appropriate, uh, I suppose, to show your humanity and share some things like that. You just got to be careful how you talk about it because I've heard too many times in the church where people testify about what they did in the world. It's like they still glorify it. That was a mistake. That was bad news. You, never, you were never brought into the world to experience that. Praise the Lord. Amen. You don't need to get a beat up, run over, 
jacked up testimony to feel like you got a testimony. If God gave you good sense and kept you in the house of the Lord and kept you from the foolishness, you've got a greater testimony. Somebody's testifying about being pulled out of the mud. God help you to stay out of it. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. Amen. Amen. You don't need no battle scars and bruises. Praise the Lord. The battle is enough. Amen. Without going out there and taking a chance. Because there's no guarantees when you go out, you'll come back in. So we do thank God for her and for everyone that's assembled at the A today. We honor our ministers of the gospel, all of our elders, Elder Geddes and Elder Robinson, Elder Black, Elder McKinney, Elder Webster, and, and Minister Griffith, amen, who is serving today uh, on the board of ushers. I do thank God for my companion, Mother Geddes, the first lady of our church, amen. I ask that you continue to pray for her, that God will keep her and protect her and inspire her in the name of the Lord. Thank God for Deacon Turner, Amen. Our chairman, deacon, and for uh, deacon, all the deacons. How about that? All the deacons. We thank God for you. Amen. And for your families. And we thank the Lord for, uh, for our church mothers that are here with us. Mother Denton and Mother South and Mother Austin, Mother Watson, and Mother Williams. And amen. We still miss Mother Huey. How about that? Praise the Lord. And we pray that the Lord will bring her home soon. Safe and sound. Amen. We thank God for everyone that's assembled today, for our fathers in particular. This is Father's Day, and we're just happy that for all the fathers that are here, and amen. I think on behalf of the fathers, I want to say to Mother Geddes and to the women's department, thank you so much for a beautiful day on yesterday. Amen. The Father's Day fish fry. Amen. Father's Day fish fry, barbecue chicken, salads of all sorts. Amen. It was wonderful. Wonderful occasion. We had a wonderful time. Amen. So we thank you and appreciate all that you did. And uh, we thank God for uh, the, the privilege we had this weekend to fellowship with um, Elder Easton and uh, Sister Easton and the saints that came with them and Elder Pitts and his wife and the deacon and his wife that came with them. So we had a wonderful time and they enjoyed themselves and as far as I know, they, uh, the word I received is everyone made it home safe. So we thank God for that. We can't take that for granted. It's worth mentioning. Praise God. So today is Father's Day. And one thing you notice is it doesn't get the same attention as Mother's Day. Mother Geddes was telling me on the way to church this morning when she went to purchase, you know, Father's Day uh, card or cards that, uh, you know, when you go in for Mother's Day, it's a battle. You got to elbow those people out the way so you can get to a card. She said she went in the store to buy a card and there's only one old lady. <laughs> Wasn't much contention. Amen. So right off the bat, we, no matter how much things are commercialized, <laughs> uh, the fathers, uh, they don't rate quite the same, in, in commercially anyway, as, uh, as the mothers do. And nevertheless, we know that fathers are very important. They are extremely, according to statistics, national indicators of, our, of what's going on in our society, um, they're extremely 
important. They're very significant with regard to the life of their children, the formation of successful men and women. Uh, when you take a look at a lot of the sad and horrible, horrific things that are happening in our world, in our, in our society in particular, you will find that the unfortunate one connection for all the craziness is the lack of a father in the home. A lack of a good man who stays with his wife and remains, has fidelity and raises his children in the fear and nurture of God. You name the indicator, I guarantee you, the common denominator is the lack of a father. As I always say from year to year, this is not to minimize a mother's love. But anybody that's foolish enough to believe the radical feminist that you don't need a man to raise a child hasn't looked at the stats. Fathers, the, the impact of a father, the influence, probably is a better way to put it, of, the, of, of a father's uh, leaving his mark on his children, amen, is phenomenally different uh, than if their mother were to walk away. We can't imagine a mother walking away. Unfortunately, too many men are irresponsible and do that. But when a father stays and he's a good man and he's a teacher, not by only word, but by example, his children are different. Amen. Praise the Lord. The unfortunate truth is that too many fathers have failed their children. And uh, I got a taste of this some years ago. We had a men's retreat. And uh, you know what those retreats, the good thing about the men's retreat and a women's retreat is nobody's posturing. Nobody's trying to be pretty or cute. Amen. They're just who they are. They're with their own kind. And sometimes they tend to be a little more open in terms of sharing things. And so I was with the brethren. We were back up in the woods of the north uh, western part of this state. And uh, I was teaching a seminar, and we got to talking about the influences of fathers, and I saw some of the brethren that were, some here, and some who have been here and left. It was gripping. It was astounding to me, because I started to see fellows who did a lot of woofing and, you know, seemed so mighty and powerful, they began to break down and cry. Began to break down and cry. Because of the failure of their father. It has, it were grown men, but it still had this gripping effect on them and who they were and what they were grappling with themselves. And I was amazed. I had never uh, had that experience before, but I since come to understand that while men may be accused of not showing their emotions very much, boy, do they bring out the emotions in their children and, and their wife. Praise the Lord especially if they have abandoned them physically or emotionally. I would say, though, if unfortunately that has been the case for you, as an adult, we have to stop laying blame. It's so easy to point to somebody else for our shortcomings and misgivings and to say, well, my father wasn't this, he wasn't that, he wasn't here, he wasn't there, and so we blame all of our 
you know, inadequacies and failures on him. But I think as adults, at some point in time, you've got to realize, okay, I know better. And so whether he did what he should have done or not, I know better now as an adult, so I have to accept responsibility for who I am and what I do. And if there's some things about me I need to change, then I need to ask God for grace and help, and I need to change. Praise the Lord. Amen. And stop worrying about him and what he did or didn't do. I tell you something else you're going to need to do, and that is to forgive him if your father wasn't all that he should have been. You're going to need to forgive him. If you don't forgive him, here's just something scary to think about. You're likely to become like him. Amen. And let me say this. Ultimately, everything that happens to us in life, whether people treat us right or not, whether they support us or not, whether they speak well of us or speak evil of us, whether they do us right or do us wrong, you're going to wear yourself out in life if you don't stop and begin to view life through the context of the cross of Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're saying, why wasn't my daddy what he should have been or whoever else? Because of sin. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Jesus went to Calvary because of sin. We were all sinners. And yes, people suffer some horrific things in life, but no one has ever suffered like our Lord. He became sin for us, the Bible says, who knew no sin. Amen. Paul says to us in the book of Hebrews that we have not re yet resisted unto blood, but he certainly, huh? Isaiah said his visage was marred beyond that of any person. We caused him a lot of pain, agony, suffering. Praise the Lord. Amen. But through the offer of his body as a sacrifice unto God for the propitiation of sins, through his shed blood, we have been redeemed. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so our life can be made new. It can be different than the life of people around us who don't know the Lord. And so we ought to look up. Our redemption draws nigh. We ought to give God thanks for the understanding that he has given us because we could be walking around angry and bent out of shape and acting foolish. But we thank the Lord uh, for being that sacrifice for us on Calvary, for giving his life, for filling the gap. Amen. He filled the gap in so many areas of life, but it doesn't, even if your father wasn't what he should have been, the Lord can fill the gap. He is our heavenly father. And if you pray and seek after him and obey his word and let his word abide in you, he can make the difference in your life. Praise the Lord. A good father, um, you see the effects of his influence on the life of his children in several ways. His daughters tend not to be promiscuous. They don't run around looking for a man to love them because their daddy loves them. That makes them feel secure. Amen. 
The boys tend to be confident leaders, not hesitant, stumbling around, trying to figure out what to do. Amen. The opposite of that far too many times is true. God gave us a father and a mother for a reason, so there could be some balance in our lives. So it could keep us from the things that too many people get caught up in. Praise God. And uh, I noticed something else about some fellows who don't have a father. They're rather cocky, if you allow me to use the term. They're not confident, so have to prove that they're confident, they think. And uh, many times that abuse gets, that proof gets played out as abuse. Amen. I've noticed something about women that are not raised with their father. The things that a father does for his children, spiritually and more so right now, I'm thinking naturally. The presence he has in his home, the things he does. When the father's not there, then the, the wife and the daughters in particular find that they have to stand in that gap and do that for themselves. And uh, that's an unfortunate reality of life because what happens is many times they carry that over into their marriage and they don't know how to have a healthy sense of submission. They fear the word. They don't trust. They don't allow their husband to lead. They want to lead him. They want to be out in front calling the shots because they don't trust him because they didn't have a good strong daddy that teaches you this is my space. I make provision for you. I care for you. There are certain things you don't have to worry about or do because I am here. He becomes a rock of defense, a rock of Gibraltar. He becomes a protector and a provider. Some things you just don't have to worry about. My wife used to tell me that occasionally when I was in the business world and I travel from time to time, she didn't sleep that well at night when I wasn't home. Uh, the family was a little restless in the evening. Uh, but when I came back, it was like, all is well. Dad's home now. You know? Amen. Children are very idealistic in their thinking about their father, aren't they? They think their father's the greatest man in the world. He can lick everybody. Amen. And, and, and your children ought to have that. I mean, it's when they get a little older and realize, oh, my daddy was really, he was only five feet two. He weighed 125 pounds. And I guess unless he worked out with, uh, who's that guy that used to be the kickboxer and all that stuff, little Asian fella there. Yeah, Bruce Lee, unless he was with Bruce Lee, probably wouldn't beat too many. <laughs> but a good man will try, won't he? Amen. I once knew a brother that told me, he said, well, he said, if somebody break in my house, you know, you know, to try to come after my wife or my kids, I'm going to go in the room and pray. And I said, not me, brother. The person that break in, they might have to do some praying. But brother, I'm going to do everything I can to wear him out and pray I don't kill him. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so he brings a certain safety and security. And some of y'all sometimes kind of, you know, a bishop, he's kind of hard and tough, but I'm a daddy at heart. Amen. I don't go for a lot of foolishness, but I love good things and good people. I mean what I say. 
Amen. Try to be a good example. And I do some things primarily for your safety. You may not understand or know now, but that's why we don't run everywhere and do everything. Because daddy knows that's not good for his children. Praise the Lord. Children don't understand, do they? It's kind of strange. Children, I'll, I'll preach after a while. Just give me a few minutes here. If your state gets a little charred, that'll be all right. But children, uh, they love to go places, don't they? Any place that's not home. Oh, they love it. They love it. They love it. And when it comes time to go, oh, it's like, it's like going back home. It's like going to jail. You know, our, uh, our grandchildren, I don't remember our children being that way. We kept them with us. But our grandchildren, from the first one to, you know, they, Layla used to be out in the back parking lot screaming like somebody was trying to destroy her. And all her parents were trying to do was put her in the car and take her back to Boston. I wanted a popper. You know, but, uh, you know, Aiden and his mother come to pick him up. Sometimes he's crying. He don't want to go home. And all mother says is 221. 221 Castlewood. Time to go home, son. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But then as you grow older and they begin to mature, maybe very few truer words were spoken than Dorothy. There's no place like home. Praise God. It's if you come from a good house, a good family, good home. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I shared some things with you. Maybe I should write down sometime. But I hope you hear me and take it. Take this into account. And if you're saying, well, that's not exactly my case. Well, there's always exceptions. But I'm speaking generally. Generally. What's the case? Amen. If you were blessed to have a father who was there, it is blessed to love your mother and provide for you and protect you, then you were very, very blessed. Because right now in the United States of America, uh, there are many, many children, probably in some, in some uh, cultures, over 70% of the children are born out of wedlock. That's not God's way. Amen. So if you were... If your daddy was there, you're very, very blessed. And that's another reason you ought to give God the praise. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Why don't you put your hands together and you wake up the person that's next to you. Thank you, Jesus. Take your Bibles. Turn with me. I want to turn to a couple of passages of Scripture. The first one is a little, a little long. The second one is just a verse. I want to start in the 15th chapter of the gospel according to Luke. And I just want to pick out a few salient points today. I pray that it will be a blessing to you. I'm probably going to disappoint you if you're expecting me to run around and jump up and down to keep you awake. You might have to listen and pay attention today. But I promise to tell you the truth. I promise to say something that can be of help to you if you hear it and receive it and act on it. Luke chapter 15, a very familiar story, beginning at verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, 
took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. No one gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned and against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, who hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is yours. It was necessary, it was worthy, it was appropriate that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Keep your finger there and I want to read a verse to you from Psalm 103 and verse 13 where the psalmist writes profoundly like as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him I want to talk today about compassion 
I often find myself going back to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, this story in particular. It's become one of my favorites over the years, a great counseling tool for parents who are struggling with, let me just be frank, hard-head kids. Seems like every time I go back to it, I learn something else from the reading. Several years ago, I was introduced to a painting by Rembrandt, the great artist. And it was a painting about this story, the prodigal son showed his return to his father. And I won't go into all the details, but as we begin to discuss this picture in class and various ones begin to bring out details that were not always apparent to somebody just, I'm not, you know, big art person. I appreciate it, but don't know a whole lot about it and can't even draw a good stick man. But as I began to look at it more closely, I began to see that Rembrandt was trying to send and tell a story. And I was most impressed with the ability of communicating an art without uttering a word. So this story holds some powerful lessons for fathers and mothers in dealing with compliant as well as the strong-willed child. And I just want to go through a few of these with you this afternoon while your stake is on the fire. When I take a look at verse 12, I come across a very important principle in life, and that is fathers seem to be better equipped in letting go. Amen. And this is why it's so good to have a father and mother in the family because you get that balance. But fathers tend to know how and even when to let go. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. (laughs) He didn't argue. He just divided unto them his living. Amen. I suppose this father was probably, uh, you know, culturally, he probably was offended that his son was in essence saying, I wish you were dead. But since you ain't dying quick enough, and since it's customary for you to divide uh, the living or you're in, uh, provide your children with an inheritance, whatever you have coming to me, I want it now. Mm-hmm. I think he was offended, but I don't think he was surprised because any father that really pays attention to his children knows his child. And this fella just didn't get beside himself that day. He probably had been kind of wacky for a while. And he knew it was just going to be a matter of time before he flipped. Because when you are continually instructed in the right way and you're stubborn and rebellious and refuse to walk in it, something's going to happen after a while. You're going to make a stupid decision. And, you know, you can't keep children from all stupid decisions. Praise the Lord. So he wasn't surprised. I doubt that he was surprised. Because he knew this fellow was bent on learning some things the hard way. That's the only way some people can learn some things. You try to tell them. 
but they act like they don't believe you. You try to tell them, but they act like they're deaf. They can't hear. You try to tell them. But they have already got in their own mind. They're fixed. Somebody used to say they're set and poured and set like cement on doing their own thing, on having their own way. There's even some children you can spank them and they still got the devil in them. Of course, it depends on how you spank them. Now, if you give them a few love taps and then you, you know, rub it. <laughs> you don't drive demons out like that. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. But some people just bent on having their own way. And then some people are only compliant because they know they're going to be punished if they're not compliant. They're, they're, they're not obeying because it's within them to obey. They just know you will not let them get away with it. And that is going to come out in their life after a while too. Amen. But fathers are very instrumental in this whole process of letting go. And I'm talking about letting go with their grown children, not, not a teenager, praise the Lord, or a child. Because when a child reaches the season of adulthood, what I usually see is uh, mothers usually still want to cling and want to, that child to hold on to them and them to... To, to one another, whatever the case is. But fathers know the best thing for the child is to begin to make their own way in life. And we see this often on these animal shows, don't we? Sometimes they have more sense than people. We want to keep them under the, in the tie to the erp, uh, apron and keep them around us so we can provide for them and protect them and feed them all the time. And other rascals need to get out. They need to get out. And learn what life is all about. Amen. And uh, the eagle makes his nest way up high in the cliff. And uh, the only lessons the eaglets get for how to fly is by watching the parents fly. But at some point, there's not enough room in the nest for several eaglets and the mother. Somebody's got to go, and it's not going to be the mother. It's her house. And so what they do is, even though they're so far up, they push the children out the nest. And so one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to crash and burn, or you will learn how to fly. I guarantee you the majority of them learn how to fly because God put it in them. It's instinctive. It comes from God. But if you want to cripple an eagle, you keep feeding them worms and rats and chipmunks and all that don't, you know, and they'll never learn how to fly. They will always be dependent upon you to feed them. And I'm going to tell you what happens to people that you mess up like that. Because in your mind, you think, well, when I need help, they're going to help me. You are fooling yourself because you have created some irresponsible children. And when they get old, they ain't thinking about you because it was always all about them. Amen. And so when you get to the place where you need help, it's going to be hard to find them. If you can find them at all. If you get to the place where you have to go to a nursing home, you might end up in a, in a rat and roach hotel because provisions were not made. Because all they're thinking about is making sure they save some of that money before you die. They are not going to give it all to 
the nursing home. Uh Uh-uh. You're living too long. The longer you live, the less they have. Y'all don't want to hear this, but I'm just telling you the truth anyhow. When you got a selfish person, you've raised a selfish person and then drive that stuff out of them. You got a rascal that you named. And they're about almost happy for you to die dancing because all they can think about is cha-ching, cha-ching. So they got to go. Got to go out the nest. Learn how to fly. Learn how to make your own way. Amen. Learn how to be responsible. Praise the Lord. Well, let's move on to another profound point. Not only do fathers know when it's time to cut the cord, that invisible umbilical cord, so this child can learn how to grow up, how to face life for themselves, but the father also kind of knows how to mind his business appropriately. I ain't getting no amens on that either. But some women have their nose too deep in their children's business. Even after they're married, mind your business. Read 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11. Mind your business. Study to be quiet and to do your own business, Paul says. The way we translate that is to mind your business. If they come to you, that's one thing. But you ought not always be dipping your nose trying to fix their life because they ain't learning anything. If every time they get in trouble, you rescue me and deliver them, you're going to rescue them over and over and over again until they do something so foolish that not even you can help them. Praise the Lord. Dr. Dobson, I think, uh, the fellow that coined the word tough love. That's what you have to have. Amen. So this father... When his son decided he wanted what he wanted, he gave it to him and he let him go, realizing that this is really going to be a disaster because this, this, this boy is a knucklehead. Uh, he, he is not going to make the right decisions because I've seen this coming all along. He's been a knucklehead for a long time. He's been stubborn for a long time. He's been selfish for a long time. He didn't just wake up one morning and he was this way. Perceptive parents see that. Amen. And he said, all right, I'm going to mind my business. It's going to be kind of hard, but I'm going to stay out of it. We never read about his wife. I don't know what she did, but the Bible doesn't tell us about her. Amen. But this father did his best to stay away from his fellow so this fellow could learn some lessons he was trying to teach him that he just wouldn't get. And one thing you learn is that Like my parents used to tell me, money does not grow on trees. One of the scourges of our era is these uh, debit cards and credit cards. When I was a little boy, if they had them, my parents didn't. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so if you needed money, everything was a cash transaction. Amen. For the basic family needs. Praise the Lord. They didn't go out and borrow money to go on vacation and all this kind of stuff like that. If you had the cash, you did it. If you didn't have the cash, you didn't do it. Unless you're talking about a major purpose like a purchase like an automobile or a house. House first. Amen. For automobiles. Praise the Lord. But um, if money comes easy, it goes easy. Because you didn't do nothing to get it. 
This is why you can't just give, 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 give your children to make, excuse me, y'all, y'all, now I'm starting to get stirred up. Make a bomb out of them. You make a bomb out of them. Because you're just giving, 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 giving. They don't have to do anything for anything. All they're doing is existing. Amen. Giving nothing back, working for nothing. Children need to learn responsibility at home. They need to be given certain chores and responsibility at home. Not so much because you're treating them like a slave or a servant, but they just need to learn that if you want money, work legitimately for it. That's necessary to learn in life. And based on what this fellow experienced, another lesson he was missing was everyone is not your friend. Huh? Everybody is not your friend. They might smile with you. They might pat you on the back. But when the money runs out, so do they. Amen. Now, let me just make a correction here because I can see some of y'all agreeing with me. So let me, let me straighten this out. Because some of us don't have friends because we ain't friendly. <laughs> it's not that the world is full of unfriendly people, but you ain't friendly. And the Bible says he who will have friends must show himself. You got to take the initiative and be friendly. And some of us, unfortunately, have come from such warped and crazy backgrounds, we don't trust anybody. But it's not that most, you know, folks can't be trusted. You just, unfortunately, your, your, your set of circumstances in life have been so warped until you look at everybody with, through eyes of suspicion. So you have to know some things about yourself and your background and your uh, upcoming that wasn't ideal to say, this is kind of why I walk like this. Amen. Straighten up. Let God in his word and the Holy Ghost straighten you up. So then you don't look at everybody suspicious. So you don't trust anybody. So you don't have no friends. I ain't got no friends. Well, if you don't smile, if you don't befriend people, if you always look like you, you know, chewing nails, always growling, and uh, you can't laugh, you ain't going to have many friends. But just understand this, everybody that laughs at you may not be laughing with you for the same reason. Some people are laughing with you while others laugh at you. Amen. Here's another tip. You got to know when to swallow your pride and say it's not working. I've tried this. There is no harm in most cases of trying something uh, to see if you can make it work. Praise the Lord. But everything you do is not going to work. Amen. So you gave it your best shot. You tried it, but it didn't work. No shame. It's better that you have some kind of a reasonable ambition and try something. Because Solomon said, who can tell what's going to work? Praise the Lord. Better that you have some ambition. Wake her up over there. She needs to hear this. Wake her up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Better that you try something rather than sitting around to accomplish nothing. Some people live their whole life and they have nothing to show for their lives. 
They accomplished nothing. I'm not talking about you have to be the CEO of anything. They literally lived on this world all these years and did not a thing. Nothing noteworthy. Praise the Lord. But sometimes things don't work out the way they should. And rather than go down with the ship. No. <laughs> you get on a life raft. Huh? You blow some kind of horn that can let people know. I'm sinking. Isn't that what Peter did when he started going down? He didn't stand there and say, well, I'm just going to. I came out here, and I, I was walking underwater for a while, but I took my eye off Jesus, so I'm going to punish myself and drown. Where did that thinking come from? That man cried out, Lord, save me! And sometimes you got to know this ain't working. Click. You have tried, you have tried, you've been persistent, you've asked others for wisdom and, and, and tried to gain some wisdom as to how to go about it, and it doesn't really seem to be coming together. It's time to let it go. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. Praise the Lord. This fellow kept fooling around until he had nothing left. No money, no friends, and he wasn't used to working. But he finally got to the place where he had to do something he never really consciously thought about doing for, and that was getting a job. A real job. Not one where you sit down and line up peanut shells, but real work. I think you ought to work till you can feel it. In your head or your arms or something, you ought to feel it. You ought to work till you're tired. Work hard. Work hard. Praise the Lord. So when you are paid for it, you don't have to feel guilty like you've stolen from somebody. Amen. Praise the Lord. You see, good fathers don't necessarily cut you off, but they, they give the child the freedom to make their own choices and to live with the consequences of their decisions. Praise the Lord. And uh, fathers seem to be less likely to butt in uninvited. Praise God. No one wants to see their child suffer or to have problems. But you know you cannot rescue them from every uh, bad decision they make when they knew better. If they didn't know better, that's one thing. But when they know better and they're going to go off and do their own thing, then they're going to have to suffer the consequences because for some people, that's the only way it sticks with them. And they don't make those mistakes over and over again. Are you still here? Let me talk a little bit about compassion. Because the Bible says, as a father pitieth his children. Well, that English word pity really comes from a Greek word, rakam, which is probably better translated compassion in the English language. It's a strong love, which is rooted in some kind of bond between the giver and the receiver, like the bond that is between parents and their children. This kind of love shows tenderness and mercy and grace towards someone suffering and affliction. Praise the Lord. 
And that's what happened here because this boy got beat up and bruised, didn't he? Of his own doing, of his own doing. But I love verse uh, uh, 17 because sometimes you get just enough hickeys, you know, blows to the head are not supposed to be good, but sometimes they work. <laughs> and he came to himself. Amen. He came to himself. He came to himself because of all the trouble that he experienced. He started realizing that, that, that selfish life, that hard-headed life, that stubbornness never did him an ounce of good. He was so ignorant, he left a place of blessing. He was so ignorant, he didn't know who his friends were. He was so ignorant, he didn't know how to manage his money. He was so ignorant, he thought that other, every little piece of flesh is something he ought to get attached to. Do you not know that kind of living can put you in a grave? Amen. He came to himself. And oh, it's a wonderful thing in scripture when we read about people that come to themselves. Because people that come to themselves begin to look up. Hallelujah. And they say, Lord, I thank you. <laughs> because I was headed for destruction. Isn't that what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Seven years out there, his fingernails started looking like bird claws, his hair started looking like long eagle feathers. He was doing like animals, animals looked down all the time, he's eating grass like a beast. But one thing that distinguishes us between animals, I never saw a horse elder looking up. I never saw a cow looking up. I never saw a sheep looking up, but we look up. Matter of fact, looking up is better than looking down. You keep looking down, all you see is the ground. Amen. Amen. You'll be there soon enough. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Look up when you feel down because that's an expression and a position of hope. Look up because that's where God is. I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. From my help comes from the Lord. Look up. Good things are up. Praise the Lord. Came to himself. Going through all this. Acknowledged his wrong. Humbled himself. Showed that he understood when he said, I will arise. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home and I'm not going home acting like somebody that's entitled I'm going home and I'm going to show my daddy I was a fool. But please take me back. You don't even have to give me what you give my brother. If I get what your servants get, it'll be exponentially better than what I was experiencing out here running my own life. I ran myself almost literally into the ground. I had to end up getting a job that as a Jew I should never have. And I was so low till I would have eaten pig slop. Only reason I didn't eat it is because nobody offered it to me. Amen. When you are the daughter or the son of a king, you ought not be dining on peasant food. You got to know who you are. 
and stay in the house. Praise the Lord. Stay under your father's blessing, as I mean. I don't mean live with him all the time, but I'm talking about staying under his blessing and protection, his wisdom as you get older, his guidance. You're going to wish for it when he's gone. Get it while he's alive. Uh, and so what we see about this father is that this was a compassionate man. He was a wise man. He was an industrious man. Because he had wealth. He had something to give. And it wasn't by accident. He worked for it. He accomplished things. He was accomplished. He achieved things. But his son didn't appreciate it. But he showed two things that are very important about that word compassion. Because the first six or seven letters say compass, doesn't it? Compass. He was able to set good direction. Being a good example of what life looks like when you humble yourself and you walk with the Lord and you make wise and right decisions, when you obey the word of God, when you keep the right set of priorities, when you honor the Lord first, when you don't let your wife or children or anybody else cause you to think that somehow you can shortcut or circumvent. No, we must hold true and walk with God. We wouldn't be in this mess right now if Adam had done that. Amen. Paul said it was the woman that was deceived. Amen. Praise the Lord. Adam should have held fast. But because he didn't, we're sitting here today. Thank God we're in, uh, we have an inheritance amongst them or sanctified. But it sure wasn't because of the first man, Adam. It was because of the second man, Adam. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Show the right direction. Show the way. A lot of fathers are good at telling their children what to do. But they somehow don't realize that their lip and their feet don't match. They talk a good game, but they don't live it. Praise the Lord. You can't just tell your children to do what's right. You do what's right. You don't just tell your children you ought to pray. You pray. Let them see you praying. I'm not talking about for a show, but you pray enough where they stumble up on you and that's what you're doing. Don't just send them to church. Bring them with you. Don't come on Sundays only. You come and make a commitment to Jesus Christ where you're in the church and a body of Christ and a member of, a, of an assembly and you strive to get yourself there on time and you are involved, not just sitting in the pew. You're going to lose them if you don't do what's right. Praise the Lord. You wonder why your children are going astray. Because you're astray. You're acting like a stray, like a stray lamb. You can't really blame them as much as that's the pattern you've set before them. You're just following what they see. If you come around the church and you work in the church, whether there's people here or not, you love the Lord, they're going to notice that and they're going to think that's the way we live. And you know what? They're right. But if you just come every once in a while when it's, when it's convenient for you and you don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers, you need to, you need to do like Joshua. 
When he told those people, you all need to make a decision. Because I'm not going to be with you a whole lot longer. But I'll tell you one thing. You need to figure out whether you're going to go back and, 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 and uh, uh, serve uh, 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 Abraham's father's gods. The land where we came from. Huh? Because Abraham was polytheistic because his father was polytheistic. But the Lord spoke to Abraham and made him monotheistic. So you need, to, you need to figure out whether you're going to go back, way back in your heritage and follow that foolishness of your ancestors. You know, there's a lot of folk out here that are into ancestors. They're living in America and want to be in Africa. Go ahead. Living in America and want to be in Europe. Go ahead. Living in America and want to be in Eastern. Go ahead. Living in America and want to be in the Caribbean. Go ahead. It wasn't so good you stayed there. You came here. This is representing a better life. Sometimes you need to cut those ties with that past because it doesn't represent godliness. It doesn't represent the knowledge of God. God has brought you to a place where you can do better. And I don't mean just naturally because some of us get hung up on the natural thing. You know, this can be the worst country for you if you're carnal. You're better off having nothing but Jesus than fooling around and come to this country with all of this insanity and the abundance of foolishness here and wealth that can be had and lose your soul or the soul of your children. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul. That's the most important thing. The saving of your soul. Praise the Lord. And so he said, y'all want to go back there where Abraham's father was, where he came from? Y'all want to serve those gods? Do that. He said, those of you that have wandered over here now into Canaan, with the Amorites, where the Amorites was a common name used for everybody that wasn't Jewish at that point. He said, if y'all want to fool around and serve these crazy non-speaking statues, <laughs> non-seeing statues, non-hearing statues, that these folk are saying, do that. Because some of us, we're out of our minds. God has allowed us to be raised in our apostolic home. And we're acting like we missed something. Because we saw fools living in sin. Some of them wish they had what you have. Don't tell me they're happy out there. Nobody living in sin is happy. They're feigning. They're fakers. They're pretenders. No liquor ever went down your throat. Thank God. You never took a puff and choked on the smoke. Thank God. You never inhaled deeply and your brain was foggy. Thank God. You never ran around and got a venereal disease? Thank God. You ain't missing nothing but death, hell, and destruction. You're going to fool around here with your uh, 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 untrained self? And you, I'll tell you what, I've seen it too many times. The folk in the church been raised in the church and, you know, parents weren't able to really keep the line on them because they're trying to like them and want them to be their friend. Weak, weakness begets weakness. Strength begets strength. Nothing's worse than a weak man. 
Y'all don't have to say amen to that. I'll say amen to myself. Nothing's worse than a weak man because almost everything around him is going to end up crumbling. Hallelujah. As a father, the first thing you need to do is set the right direction by example. You're walking away, and as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we ain't going back over there, and we ain't going to serve these gods around here. We will serve the Lord. We might be the only Israelites left doing it, but we will serve the Lord. Not I will serve the Lord. My whole house, we are going to serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. The other part to this compassion, this compass, is passion. I hear a lot of folk talking about how, you know, they're so easy, cool, calm, and collect. I don't care nothing about that. Listen, I am passionate. I want you to know what I like and what I don't like. What makes me happy, what makes me angry, what makes me sad. I'm not a mystery. Amen. I'm a human being that is completely dedicated and passionate about what I do. I don't want you trying to figure me out. I want you to know me because the Bible says know them that labor among us. I'm a human being. I'm given to failure. Sometimes I may act out, but it's not for anybody's destruction. But I live passionately. If I'm going to do something for you, I do it with all that's within me. If I'm going to give to you, I give the best I can. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. No, I'm not, you know, Mr. Cool. Ain't nothing much cool about me. But I am passionate. I am alive. I bite. I yell. But I also hug and I kiss. I'm the total picture. Not just a half one trying to impress somebody. I'm concerned about you. And I want you to know I'm concerned about you. And when you go wrong, I'm going to be on you like white on rice. When I know you know better. When you don't know better, that's different. That's a teaching opportunity. But when I know you know better and you ain't doing better, yes, I am not going to come and pat you. Uh, Brother Gerald. Uh, Brother I notice that you're not walking right and don't love the Lord and you're not doing what I ask you to do. And no, I told Gerald a few weeks ago, you're fired! Because he wasn't doing what I, the job I told him to do. Come back, son, when we can, you know, when you kind of get this piece of your life together and I'll rehire you. But right now, I told him, you're fired! And there's a few other folk I want to fire. I'll be nameless right now. I know Gerald can take it. He still loves me. Hallelujah. I like people that got some fire in their belly. Not just sitting around like drones. What do you care about? What motivates you? What stirs you up? What drives you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like people like that because I don't like trying to figure out mysteries. When it comes to people, I want to know where you stand. Are you with me or not? People that walk around smiling at everybody, just happy with everybody and everything. I don't know if they're with me or not because they're doing the same thing with me that they do with everybody. I want to know where you stand. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I yell, but I'm, I love too. Amen. Amen. Compassion, compass, and passion. I don't care what the folk in the world do. All I care about is what this is. Huh? Jesus didn't go in that temple when them folk were selling and, and turtle doves. And, uh, you brothers know that, you know, according to the laws of Moses, uh, we ought not be, you know, selling turtle doves and here to the people. I'm very disappointed in you. Selling turtle doves and collecting the money from the people and ripping them off. I just want you to know I'm very disappointed. I'm going to turn my back on you. I'm very disappointed. No. He said, I'm trying not to completely lose it, so I'm going to stand over here for a while. <laughs> and I am going to make a whip. Because I feel like going in there without it. And he made himself a whip. And then he came in there like a crazy man. Kicking over tables, snatching folk and throwing them. What you doing in here? Huh? Jesus wasn't cool. Jesus was passionate. He was passionate. You knew where he stand. He wasn't trying to present this, this unrealistic image of who you are. You knew what he was about. You knew where he stand. His actions mapped with his words, his volume. Huh? He straightened that mess out that day, didn't he? They all knew when he was finished, he was disappointed. <laughs> and some probably thought he was crazy. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some thought he was Elijah. Elijah wasn't a Clark Kent. Huh? Man, he had a reputation of being kind of rough and gruff. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who got so disgusted, he said, I ain't even going to say nothing to these folk anymore. But when he tried to not to do that, the Bible says the fire burned within him. And then he had to open his mouth and say, they said the law is not going to depart from the prophet. Huh? Huh? Praise the Lord. So, so they knew who Jeremiah was. They knew who Elijah was. And that's who they thought. They thought Jesus had come back from the dead and was one of them. Don't look these foolish pictures about a man with long hair and just some meek and mouth. No, no. I know everybody's not the same. But people ought to know where you stand as a father, as a leader. They ought to know when you're happy and know when you're not. Amen. I don't have to say much amen, but I'm telling the truth anyhow. The Bible says in the book of Jude that some people need to be saved with fear. Amen. Some of us are so afraid that somebody's going to be offended or not think well of us. Listen, my feeling like this. When you're immature, you don't understand or appreciate me. But when you grow up and you get mature, you say, wow. Huh? Well, didn't we have a prophet from Israel in our midst? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, no, I don't go around the house wearing my robe and got another mic at house and screaming and hollering. No, 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 no. But you know who I am. And you know what I believe. And you know when I'm happy. And you know when I'm not. And I do not apologize for that. All right, your steak is starting to char. 
So let me just get out these last five points, and then I'm going to stop. I'm not finished, but let me get out these last. Because according to the scriptures here, there's at least five gifts a father should give his children. This young fellow came back, did he not? And at least he acknowledged that he was wrong. Here's a whole nother topic. I have sinned against heaven. David said in Psalm 51, and I, it took me a while to understand. It took me years, but I see that the scripture helps to explain it. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Every sin is ultimately against God. You sin before others, but ultimately every sin is against God because it's his law, not mine, not your neighbor's. It's his law that you have trespassed. Praise the Lord. But he came and his father never really let him finish everything he wanted to say, did he? He said, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. And see, the father saw him and he could sense what was going on in the boy. He realized this boy is walking different. It's not just a lump because it's, you know, his feet, his bare feet are calloused and worn or, you know, maybe got a thorn in it or whatever. He could see there's something different about him. He heard the tone of, tone of his voice. He saw the look in his eyes. Hallelujah. And he said, this, this boy, is, he got straightened out. The thing I hoped would happen, happened. I couldn't have done, I, I couldn't get through to him. So I had to let him go out in the world and get beat up a little bit. And thank God for bringing him back. He saw him a long ways off, so that means he was looking for him, but he never ran out there to try to find him. And that's the mistake some of you all make. Your kids are a mess, and you're still too much in their lives. You need to turn them over to the Lord and say, whoop them, Lord. Whip them good. Whip them until they want to come back to you. I know you all ain't going to pray that either, because you don't know how to let go. But you need to be more concerned about their souls than their happiness because nobody's happy in sin. Praise the Lord. And so look what the father did. He said, it's gift time. Bring the robe. Huh? The robe is, 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 is indicative or symbolic of royalty. Amen. Didn't Jacob give Joseph a robe when, when Pharaoh uh, you know called him the, 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 the uh, prime minister of Egypt didn't he give him a robe royalty you're part of me praise the Lord amen he said to them don't just get a robe get the best get the best robe Put that on, my son. I, I, he might not smell too good right now. He might not look too good. He's not shaving like he ought to be. He's kind of raggedy, but go get the best I have and put it on him. It shows that he's mine. Let your children know that they are part of you. Praise the Lord. The second thing he did is said, put a ring on his hand. We would say his finger. Rings in scripture always denoted authority. Right? The king's reign was, like, had a, was a signet. When the king decreed something and it was stamped with his ring, you knew this came from the king. This is law. This is in order. It denoted authority. 
this is my son. And I, I know, you know, maybe he talked this stuff about being a servant, but I can see that he's found his mind now. I'm going to restore him. He's got authority in my house. And, and the boy's got no shoes. Put some shoes on his feet because in that day and time, servants didn't wear shoes, but the family members did. So put some shoes on his feet. Uh, and then the fourth thing he said was kill the fatted calf. We need to offer sacrifice because sins have happened here, but we need to offer sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so they slayed this prize calf that the father was just waiting for the right time to kill. And that was also an expression of forgiveness. Son, you don't need to go any further. I got it. And I forgive you. I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. I'm not going to wash your face with it. As far as I'm concerned, you learned your lesson. It's done. Let us speak of this no more. Hallelujah. Blood was shed for forgiveness. The fifth gift was a feast. Let's celebrate. We got something to celebrate about. Too many folks are just passionless in their life and good things happen and they don't do anything for it. Listen, when you've got children that are doing right and that are obeying you and that accomplish things in life, stop and celebrate. Give thanks to God for what he has done for you. Let them know you appreciate their diligence. and Come on, praise the Lord. Amen. Be happy about it and celebrate with them. Let them know that they have done well and that you're overjoyed by the fact. Don't just keep going and plodding along life and, you know, you can have this, you know, very, very, uh, I don't even know what to call the mentality, uh, stoic kind of mentality that, that suggests, well, you know, you did what you're supposed to do. Well, that's wonderful, amen, but when we make it into the kingdom of God, we're going to hear a well done, aren't we? Good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord. So when your children do well, celebrate with them. I don't mean when they take out the trash, you have those big, you know, balloons and everything for taking out the trash. Praise the Lord. I mean, because some of you all the other extreme. Every little thing you do is a grand. So then when something grand happens, they don't know the difference. Some of you want to have these. Excuse me, I'm going to step on this. I got a few other things I want to step on here. Maybe within the next few weeks. But some of y'all, the child is one years old. And you're having this big, I'm surprised you don't invite Donald Trump. The child don't even know they're in the world. And you're having this big, elaborate thing. You want everybody to slam on the brakes of their life and come over because my child is one. The only way your child ever know there was one because life suggested there had to be a time that they were one and maybe you got a picture. But if you ask them, do you, anybody that tell you, I, when I was one, they are lying. They are L-Y-I-N-G. Ain't nobody remembering nothing that no one. You can't do nothing for yourself. I wish you could. Change your diapers. Blow your nose. Wash behind your ears, but everything got to be done for you. Somebody got to hold a bottle, got to change you, got to use that syringe in your nose while you scream like they're trying to kill you. 
and you're going to have this big fanfare. And so when they get five or 10 or, you know, 18, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Because you were so, excuse me, kind of, you know, you ain't quite right as a parent. And some of y'all just do foolish things other people do rather than using the brain God gave you and say, well, we don't do that. We got better sense than that. You go out and spend all this money on a one-year-old and won't pay your tithe. I still can shave you. Huh? Won't give any offer. We ain't got no money for offering you, Jacob. We spent it on balloons. Forget that. The child don't even know they're around. Do something appropriate. They can't even blow out the candle. You got candles on the cake and all. So, I mean, so you, you know, it's a wonderful thing. You rejoice. Thank God our child reached one. But do you need to have an extravaganza? Something wrong with that. But you do age-appropriate things. So when your children accomplish something that's a milestone and that's noteworthy, praise the Lord. They do very well in school. They get a promotion on their job. They, 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 they graduate from, you know, high school or, or college or whatever the case is. Amen. They're marrying the right person. Well, the person they're going to make it right. It's a time of rejoicing. This boy was crazy, but now he's sane. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a good time. Go get Deacon Seymour. Let him play a little bit. Call Sister Kim. Get Brother Daniel. We're going to have some music. Praise the Lord. And you rejoice with them. You celebrate. Let's go out to dinner. Praise the Lord. Your child accomplishes something nice. Don't be cheap and go to McDonald's or, or Chick-fil-A. Go out, cheapo, and spend money. If we eat today, we might not eat tomorrow. So die. You're going to be with the Lord anyway. Die. What you worried about? But at least you went out rejoicing. Some of y'all so scared you're going to spend a dollar. Where'd you get it from? The Lord. If you do right by it, he'll give you more. You can't be afraid to do right. So rejoice with your children. Encourage them. They're going to get all kind of a, you know, a, a bad influence from the world. Some of these young people I admire, our young sisters in particular, wearing skirts to school every day. You don't know what they're facing, what they're dealing with. They come home, they don't say anything about it. But they make it through successfully when they may be the only one or just a couple of them in the school that do that. Keep them encouraged. They ain't wearing around, walking around trying to show themselves like a, a harlot. Huh? Like I said to you last week, I'm not wearing it so he can see it. I want him to see me. That's so immature and backwards. You could have a wrong person going to see you. And like this woman that's to keep coming in the news every day, they can't find her. Who knows what they did to that woman? They find in bloody clothes and articles, but they can't find the rest of her body. 
You get set yourself up with some of these insane guys around here. You got to realize that from a little child now, these boys are looking at pornography. And it's, it made them sick and distorted. And so they don't value women. They think of women as being some, some, some uh, uh, prize that they have conquered. Fella told me a few weeks ago that yeah, he didn't really, really want a, a, a nice looking woman to be his, his wife necessarily because some of these girls that they 